Hello and welcome to the Praise Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com. So today we're going to, uh, a little bit different today, but we're going to look in the scripture at the story of two different women from Mark chapter 5, verses uh, 21 through 43, a kind of a lengthy passage. So when you have your, open your Bibles, just kind of leave it open because we'll read a bit and we'll, we'll talk for a while and we'll come back and finish that up. But we're going to talk about these two different woman, women. Interestingly, one of them has been, uh, is only 12 years old and the other one has been sick for 12 years. And I don't think that's a coincidence that these two have experienced uh, something that is, that is marked by these 12 years that have passed in their lives. And so Jesus, we will see, walks into both of their lives, and his touch was life-giving, it was compassionate, and it was miraculous. So, our, uh, so here we go. Let's pick it up in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. I want to say those words again. He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. I want you to note the desperation in this dad who, is, who, though he's a ruler, though he's used to being in a position of authority, is, is so willing because of his love for his daughter to throw himself, just fall down at the feet of Jesus and beg him and, and ask him to please do this for his little, little girl. And, and then think about this. How, how does Jesus respond to this, this kind of... Uh, uh, falling down at his feet and, and crying out and, and all that. What, what does Jesus do? Well, he chooses to go with him. Watch this. So Jesus went with him, verse 24. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. In the original language, the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, the, the, where it says that she said to herself, it would be better to translate it this way. She kept on saying to herself, kept on saying to herself. And, and over and over again, she would probably, and I can just picture, because uh, we don't have the same way to do this in the English language, but, but the idea was almost like a muttering over and over, and if I could just touch his, if I could even just touch his clothes, if I could get that close to Jesus, I know I'll be healed. If I could just touch his clothes. Over and over, she's saying this as she's drawing closer, fighting her way through the crowd to get close enough to touch him. And I've got to tell you, just, just think about this for a moment. Sometimes that needs to be a lesson to us to be persistent in prayer, to keep after it, to keep after it. Not because God is reluctant. No, no, no. But there is time after time in Scripture, I could preach a whole other message on this, when we are persistent, when we keep after it. You know, where it says, ask and you will receive. Again, the, the same uh, kind of tense in the Greek is ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. Right? 
So, so bearing that in mind, just understand, this is like, we, we, I think, I don't know what this is. I think in America, we're so used to the instantaneous. We're so used to like putting something in a microwave and we get to eat popcorn in three minutes that we just have lost the idea of just hanging out and begging and crying out to God. Again, not to overcome his reluctance, but to, 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 to go after things with such passion and such power in our prayers that we won't let go of that thing. Like Jacob who wrestled with an angel. He said, I won't let go of you. Turns out the angel is actually God if you read the story correctly. And it starts out he thinks he's an angel, but later he says, I wrestled with God. Okay? So God shows up in a human form and he wrestles with him. He's, he's got a hold of his leg. He says, I'm not letting go. Can you imagine the kind of passion that we have where we say, God, I won't let go. I won't let go got to have an answer. My daughter is dying. I've been bleeding for 12 years. I've got nothing left. I need something from you, Lord. When that kind of passion grabs you, you're going to cry out. You're not going to think, oh, oh, I prayed and nothing happened and walk away. No, 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 no. That's no good, folks. Come on. The Gospel of Matthew and Luke tell this same story about uh, both of these stories, really. And when it talks about the woman... It, it, it brings a little tiny bit more detail. It says she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. The King James said the hem of his garment. The edge of a Jewish man's cloak was woven together of white and blue cord and had four tassels on the bottom. All Jewish men who were, especially who were rabbis, they would wear these. And in her mind, that was the source. That always meant they had authority, okay? And so she just realized if I could just... And, and so I want you to see this picture, not of an upright woman reaching for his shoulder or the, hem, the side of his garment or his back. No, she throws herself down at the feet of Jesus as he's trying to get away and she reaches out. She says, I've got to grab the hem of his garment. She's right there, hanging out at the feet of his garment. And, and just as quickly as she touches, Jesus is gone in the crowd. He's moving on. Mark 5.29, immediately, come on, immediately her bleeding stopped. Stopped. And she felt in her body, she felt it in that moment that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? I love this. You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet how can you ask who touched me? He can ask because he knew. But Jesus kept on looking around. He's, who is it? He had to work his way back through the crowd. Who is it that touched me? Then the woman, realizing that what had happened to her, she came and watched this, fell at his feet for a second time, and was trembling with fear and told him the whole truth. And then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. I don't know why she was trembling with fear. Maybe she thought she had done something wrong. Maybe she thought it would be reversed in some way. I don't know what she was fearful of. But, she, but, but he, here comes that... That amazing words of Jesus, just he says, he says, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Twelve years, people. Twelve years. And in that moment, immediately she was healed. You have a father falling down at the feet of Jesus to cry out for healing for his daughter. And another daughter of God falling down at the feet of Jesus to receive healing for herself. Either way, there's something to be said today about falling at the feet of Jesus. Falling at the feet of Jesus. When you really need a miracle, when you really need a touch from God, there's something about falling at the feet of Jesus. When you need a mountain to be moved in your life, fall down at Jesus' feet. My title today is We All Fall Down. Let's pray.
Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these amazing stories. And thank you for the character of Jesus Christ that we see displayed. And Lord, as we unpack this in the next few moments, I pray that our hearts will be moved on, that we will understand what it means, why, why falling at your feet is so important for us as we seek miracles, Lord God, and, and why it is important for us to be those who don't give up easily but are persistent in prayer, crying out to you and expecting great things to happen. In Jesus Christ's name, if you agree, say amen. Okay. Yesterday morning, I, uh, I was way behind on a bunch of stuff. I had more study I wanted to do on this message. We had a memorial service yesterday that I needed a little bit of prep time for. There were some other things I needed to work on. And I, I left super early in the morning, got in my car and drove over here and parked my car. I opened the front doors. And from the moment I walked in this building, I felt something was weird. Something was different. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what it was. And I walked all the way through toward my office, and I got in this hallway there. And when I got in that hallway, it dawned on me there was no power, <laughs> that the power had gone out. How many experienced power failure yesterday in your part of town? Just a few of you, yeah. And so, so, uh, so all of a sudden, it dawns on me, oh, my goodness, there's, there's no power in this building right now. So number one, I was, per I was personally... Um, you know, out of sorts a little bit because I was intending to go in my office and have my computer working and all that, and there, that's not happening. So I'm thinking about that, and then I'm thinking, oh my goodness, there's a memorial service here today. There's food in the refrigerators already for the thing. And, I'm, and so I, I called the PUD to their hotline to talk about outages. I listened. They said somebody had hit a power pole and taken it out and that the, uh, the power wasn't going to be restored till, till noon. I'm thinking that is way too close for comfort. So I said a quick prayer, turned around, left, went back home, and then tried to uh, work on my sermon with grandkids running around, and it was, it was fun. So if this, if this uh, sermon is at all disjointed, no, I, it was fine. But, um, but when we think about a power outage, you know, we've, haven't we become so accustomed to consistent power being on all the time? But when it comes to something like that in a community, it can be an inconvenience, but it can also be uh, costly in some ways, can't it? And sometimes I think, and to see if you agree with me, sometimes I think that the church of today, and maybe it's in America mostly, but that we are experiencing a power outage of God's power in our midst. We, we, it's like some, sometime, I don't know why, but like a big plug was unplugged, and we're just, yeah, we're having services, we're, we're worshiping Jesus fully and intently, and sometimes we see a little bit of God's power, but I'm talking about like plugging into God here. I'm talking about experiencing a full-on demonstration of the power and the amazing uh, work of God, and, and it's a, the sad thing about the power outage, and uh, I hold us responsible as members of the church, and I don't mean just simply praise center, I mean the church across the world, if there's a power outage, it's on us, not God. You know, his arm is not short. Have you read that before? Right? He can reach all the way to any need. But his, so his arm is not short. But it's, it's us on this end that we have lost that passion. We've lost the idea of falling at his feet and just crying out to him for what we need. And the sad thing is, is that prevents other people from experiencing the power of God for healing, for for stability in their lives, for financial blessings, for, uh, for, for all kinds of things. And miracles are not being done uh, wholesale as, as I think that the Lord would expect us to do. He said, the things I'm doing, you'll do in greater things. That word greater could be, uh, and probably mostly means greater in quantity, okay? But can also mean greater things that, in other words, some of the miracles that Jesus did, uh, they're listed in the Bible, but there are stories of miracles that have been done that, that are 
they're not, uh, what they are is they're greater in the sense that they are different than Jesus ever did. Does that make sense? There's things that Jesus never did that are miracles that he has done through his church. So, so either way you look at it, he's expecting us to do miracles, many miracles. And we need God's power. Paul said, I don't come to you with, with just uh, wise and persuasive w words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. What's that mean? Well, it means that what Jesus was doing was supposed to be happening, and it did happen, and it does happen, but we need to see more of it. Are you with me on this? So back to our story. Let's face it. Let's, as we think about the story, Jesus is on a mission. He's going to the home of, an, of as they know it, an alive 12-year-old girl who's on the brink of death, and he's going to her house to, to heal her. I, I don't know about you, but as a dad, if that was my daughter, I would just be so excited in that moment thinking about, man, I've heard stories about this guy. There isn't a doubt in my mind we're going to go, and my daughter is going to be healed. And then we, just how or why this woman that came along came and touched the hem of his garment, we're not told, but somehow she knew, and as best she could, she pressed through the crowd, touched his garment, and then Jesus stopped. I want you to put your feet in the sandals of the crowd around. If you could step outside that scene for a moment, just standing there watching this happen, and Jesus stops. And you understand that there's a girl that needs Jesus, but he stops and he turns around to deal with this woman. You just, you, you, you see this unfolding before you. There's so much going on here. Press pause, if you would, on your remote control with the woman for just a moment, and get in the head of Jairus and what he's thinking in this moment. He's, he's desperate. And as a father, if I'm him, I'm starting to get a bit agitated. I mean, you know, I don't want to be, but I'm thinking, this is desperation time, Lord. I need, I need a miracle for my daughter. Let's go for this. And time is of the essence. And I, I maybe, maybe in my mind I don't have any concept of the idea that he would raise her from the dead. I'm thinking, if we don't gift her before she dies, she's gone. But then there's this interruption. But I want you to understand something that no, no person, nobody is an interruption to Jesus. Do you understand? There's no such thing. In, in God, God is outside of time, and even though Jesus was stepped into time for a little while, but when it comes to God, there's no interruptions. Everybody's important. Every, every moment is important. And, and I believe with all my heart that none of us, not one of us, is lost in the crowd to Jesus Christ, to God. You know, you feel like, well, I'm just a number. No, you're not. You're a precious son or you're a precious daughter of God. And this is the attitude we need to have toward others as well. People are not interruptions to ministry. They're the reason for it. Right? You understand? We can't, we, we feel like, oh, I got this to do and, and, and oh, this person should. No, listen, that's not an interruption. That's an opportunity. So it's just Jesus and this woman. Now press pause on Jesus and the woman and, or press pause again on, on Jairus and his conflict in his mind and, and you see this woman according to the Old Testament she was uh, because of her condition uh, according to the law she was considered unclean and I know in our modern way of thinking that seems very unfair to us and I can't get into all the ramifications of what that was all about but, but, but as she was in her condition she was not allowed to touch anyone she was not if anybody touched her they would become unclean I mean there were, I could go on and on and describe but she's in a bad way not just physically but socially she's an outcast you understand Okay? And you say, well, that's not fair. No, that, that doesn't matter. It's just the culture of the time. It's what it was. So, so she, listen, and so she is uh, 
got a physical condition that is miserable and no doubt has weakened her beyond you can, what you can imagine. She's got a, a social problem where she's considered an outcast all around her. And she's got a financial problem because she spent every penny she had on the doctors. This woman's desperate. She's in a desperate way. And, and so as she was unclean, she didn't think twice about pressing through the crowd, no doubt having to touch people on her way to Jesus. And the thing is amazing about this is that as soon as the moment she touched the hem of her, his garment, immediately, Mark said, she became clean. It would have been impossible for her to make Jesus unclean by her touch because the moment she touched that hem of his garment, she, the power all rushed out of him into her. So there was no crossing, you know, she did, she, he did not become unclean in that moment. Do you understand? And that's so amazing to think about. So you think, well, why did Jesus take time to stop and talk to her? He I suppose he probably could have stepped, kept walking and she would have received her healing, don't you think? But he kept walking. And, and the physical healing is great, but, but I want you to see what he takes time to do. He turns around, he begins to talk to her, and he begins to address her emotional and her social problem in this moment. He restores her to society by, by saying that you are clean. He also calls her, listen, daughter. Listen to that. Listen to relationship there. And he is, he is making her clean. He says, your faith has made you whole. It's the same as saying your faith has saved you. And he's restoring to her by a man speaking to a woman. He's restoring to her in that culture the dignity that she deserved. Come on, that is amazing stuff right there. And I want to tell you today, church, when we fall at the feet of Jesus and reach out to touch him, he will restore us. And he will restore every part of our lives. Now press play again on the scene. Now that the woman's healed and restored to society, Jesus can turn and get back to what his original task was to heal the 12-year-old girl. Picking it up in Mark 35 in your scripture there, look with me. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Man. He didn't let anybody follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, when they came to the house of the synagogue leader. Jesus saw a commotion and with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they all laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha ka'um, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, ooh, there's that word again. Love that word. Immediately the girl stood up, pow, like from death to life, stood up. She stood up and began to walk around. <laughs> Come on. Is your spiritual imagination engaged right here? She was 12 years old, it says again. As the, at this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Here again is this ruler of the synagogue, and though the NIV doesn't quite make it clear, but other versions in the original language does seem to indicate that not only was this his only daughter, but perhaps and more than likely was his only child, like the only child he had. And it, I can imagine how he probably just loved her and cared for her and was so thankful for her. And so mostly these synagogue leaders didn't really like Jesus. They, they, 
You know what I'm talking about? They were the ones that were trying to kill him, right? And, uh, but this guy, isn't it amazing when you're desperate? Right? You understand where I'm going with this? Is that like, and how many people, listen, in our lives, your life, my life, how many people are in our lives that are going through things right now? Debbie just told an amazing story about a neighbor that's going through. And all of a sudden, the openness to God changes, doesn't it? Like, like this guy, maybe, who knows if before he was condemning Jesus with others, but when his daughter lay dying, he thought, hmm, I don't care. <laughs> you understand? And it's amazing how people will uh, change their tune when they get desperate for something. We need to be aware of that in our lives and, and make the most of those opportunities with others. I was just bragging on you, Deb, about this, but talking to your neighbors and, and uh, praying for them and stuff at a time when there was a crisis in their lives. And there are those who curse God all the time and use His name in vain, but when troubles come to their life, who do they call on? Not Ghostbusters. No, that's not. <laughs> right? So uh, uh, Jairus, no doubt, was concerned about the delay. His worst fears are being realized. The news comes that his daughter is now dead. And, and we learn much from this story and not only this story, but the story of Lazarus as well. We think all hope is lost, but I'm telling you, church, the hope is not lost. And even if the Lord appears to be delayed in His coming to your situation or my situation, He will come. And even if the Lord appears slow in keeping His promise, He is not slow. And even if when we reach the end of our hope, I want to let you know today, hope remains. Hope remains in Jesus' name. Do not fear, for the Lord will come. He will come for you because He loves you. He loves this little girl. He's compassionate toward the loss that her parents uh, are, fe are feeling. He, I imagine he looked at Jairus in the eye and, and said, when he said that, just don't be afraid, just believe. I can't imagine it any other way in my mind. I can just see him looking with those eyes right in and just such calm and comfort bringing to that father. Together they go into the house and instead of Jesus being touched by someone, in this case, it is he who is touching another and he simply says, get up, little girl, get up. And there it is again. Immediately she gets up and walks around the room. These two women had mountains that they needed moved in their lives. Right. One had been suffering for 12 years. The other was only 12 years old. They, one had faith for herself. This is important, right? She went through the crowd. The other couldn't exercise faith at all for herself, but someone else exercised faith for her. Yeah. So... We can move mountains for ourselves, but we can move mountains for other people. Are you catching this? It's so important. And there's this other concept. Uh, you know, we, we have to have faith. We've talked about that for a couple weeks now. We have to have faith if we're going to move mountains. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'll say this mountain be moved and cast into the sea. But there's another concept at work about how faith will express itself. And I've begun to realize that the connection at times of falling down at the feet of Jesus to receive what we need is where we need to be sometimes. It becomes this act of desperation. Worship team's coming back up. I want to just go through a quick list with you to confirm what I just said, and then we're going to wrap this up. Here's, let me give you a few other instances in the Scripture of people falling at the feet of Jesus. There was the demoniac across the lake who, who was possessed by a legion of demons, and you know he comes down the hill from the graves, uh, uh, graveyard, and where does he go? He goes and falls at the feet of Jesus. I don't care how possessed someone is. I don't care how, how, how much trouble they're having with the demonic and the devil in their lives. There will still always be enough inside of a person. If they'll choose to fall at the feet of Jesus, Jesus will deliver them so, from anything. 
Anything. There's nothing Jesus cannot deliver people from. There was another woman whose daughter was possessed by a demon, and she came and fell at his feet, and the girl was set free. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, came and fell at Jesus' feet when he showed up and, and said, Lord, do something. My brother, he's dead four days. There's a leper in Luke 5 that fell at the feet of Jesus, and the Bible says he was completely restored, that that, that sickness that was on his skin was completely taken away. There's a boy possessed by a demon who was at the feet of Jesus and was delivered. There's, in, in, in Matthew 5, uh, 15, there's the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. It says he lay, they were laid at the feet of Jesus, and he healed them. There's a paralyzed man in Luke 5, let down on a mat in front of Jesus. And they set free. You remember that? They let him down through the roof, right at the feet of Jesus. Another man with a withered hand in Mark 3 was asked to stand up and be healed. There was an invalid, remember, at the pool of Bethesda at the feet of Jesus. There's a pattern here, don't you think? And I'm, I just, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. We don't fall at the feet of Jesus enough. We just don't. Psalm 95.6, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Man, it's, it's all through the Psalms. It's important. You need vision in your life. You need to have some direction. You need, you need a revelation from God. In the book of Revelation, when John saw Jesus for who he was, it says I, he fell down at his feet as though dead. And then all of a sudden, as he falls at the feet of Jesus, what does Jesus do? He reveals all that to him. You need to, you need to know something. You need a revelation from God. You need vision in your life. Fall at the feet of Jesus. You feel like there's been a power outage of some sort in your life where, where, where in your soul, maybe you just feel like you're not connecting with God like you ought to. We need to reconnect to that power source as a church and as individuals so others can experience healing, so we can experience healing, that we can experience deliverance, others can experience deliverance. And that and you want to talk about people getting saved? I'll tell you, when the power of God begins to flow, lots of people get attracted to Jesus. They want to know who is this God that really does these things. This is what this is about. It isn't just miracles for miracles' sake. It's miracles for kingdom's sake. So I'm going to ask you today, we're going to sing another song here. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to come to the front if you can, if, if there's not enough room to maybe... Uh, the front row or where, but move, you know, I keep, I keep encouraging you. Don't stay where you are. You, you make a mistake if you think, oh, I'll just turn right here in my quiet little spot. No, I don't know what it is. Even if you just move one row, if you move one seat, move a couple seats away, but just move. Get up and move. In fact, let's stand together right now. I'm going to ask the guys to turn the lights down a bit as we worship together. What do you say we get plugged in today? Plugged into the power of Jesus. I'm telling you, if you have a mountain that needs to be moved, exercise your faith, but fall at the feet of Jesus and begin to cry out. Listen, if it's wimpy in this place, I'm going to start getting back up here and saying, come on, how would, you, how would you cry out if your 12-year-old daughter was dying? How would you cry out if it, for 12 years you had been stripped of any dignity and you'd been sick and you'd lost all How would you feel? And you say, well, that isn't my situation. Yeah, but that's other people's situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? So can we cry out for them? Can we cry out for others? Are you with me on that? So fall down for yourself. 
Have faith for yourself if you need it. Have faith for others like, like Jairus did for his daughter. But let's all fall down today. Let's all fall at the feet of Jesus. If you have a need, fall at the feet of Jesus. If you know someone that has a need, fall at the feet of Jesus. As we begin worshiping, just move out from your seat. Kneel at the front here. Man, I'll tell you what. There's also a place, and it, it, it talks about this. You might even want to find a spot where you can lay down flat, prostrate before the Lord. That's what that's about. Getting right on your face before God. Picture yourself being in that position of like, I'm just reaching out for the hem of your garment, Lord. <laughs> you with me? Lead us, Alex, and uh, let's fall at the feet of Jesus. Thank you for listening to Praise Center's Sermon of the Week. Don't forget, for more information, visit PraiseCenterOnline.com.